podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What's going on, FPL managers? Welcome to another video and podcast from Fantasy Football Scout. It's game week 36 time. The biggest double game week of the entire season. We've got 12 teams, 12 major teams doubling, and it's exciting times. I think all of us have, you know, close to 10 or 11 double game week players in our team. So exciting times. I'm joined by Ryan. How are you, bud? I'm doing well, Ted. I'm still buzzing after Captain Son came in for me this game week. So um, the game week didn't start off too well. I was looking at a fairly big red arrow. I think at one point I was on six points from five players. So a fairly dismal game week, but it was saved by Son, just like many of my game weeks recently. So I'm still feeling pretty good off that. How are you doing? Oh, Son, just, just, he just ruins my, my rank just every week. But, you know, credit to the players. Uh, credit to the managers who have held him, you know, for the last eight game weeks. He's been absolutely insane. Um, I was one of those awful, awful managers that moved Son to Kane for a minus four like eight game weeks ago. And it's arguably been one of the worst moves. Um, but it's difficult to it's difficult to fathom, isn't it? Because the change in team structure might have enabled me to to gather some of the points like Foden this week, uh, Foden a couple of game weeks ago. It allowed me to bring in an extra midfield player. So it's difficult to monitor, but 100% I would be down on if I didn't make that move. But yes, I, I was coming back from a, from a stag do this weekend and um, I set off in the car and saw Kane that scored that first goal. And I was like, oh, it's a really good start. And then I saw when I finished the journey, 3-1 uh, Spurs. I was like, come on, Harry Kane, Hattrick, come on. No, son, <laughs> two goals and assists. Unbelievable. And um, yeah. yeah, big, big. A contribution to like a rank drop but yet we are both on green arrows it's good news top 10k finish is still on the horizon for me and what's your aim ryan you, your 50k surely is achievable in the last three game weeks well i don't know i mean at the start of this game week i was 120k so son has contributed to almost a 30k rank rise for me um I'm all out this game week, so I'm expecting that rank to drop a little bit after tomorrow's game or today's game, wherever you're watching. United and Burnley, uh, Brentford, sorry. I don't think, I mean, there's probably a Ronaldo or a Tony owner out there that might be able to, to drop my rank. But look, I'm, I'm just hoping for top 100K. It's been a really, really difficult season. I was over on FPL Review's site the other day and looking at, the variance that has gone on in my team this this season. And I think I'm on a negative 52 score for variance. So yeah, basically I've got a reason as to why I've been so bad or so unlucky, I guess you could say this season. But you mentioned top 50K. I'm only 35 points away from top 50K. So I think that's doable. I don't have any chips left though. And I'm thinking this week, I'm going to get left behind by quite a few chips. Well, I think it's, Perfectly achievable if you set your team out correctly this game week and um, had a sneak peek earlier. It looks very good. So we'll see what happens. I think, uh, you know, keep your fingers crossed and keep making those logical decisions as FPL Review was stating. And hopefully the variance goes your way the last three game weeks of the season. Um, but yes, let's get into it. And um, we're going to talk all things double game week this this uh, this video. So all the teams and players we'll be focusing on are the players that double in game week 36. Plenty to get through, but before we get into that, a word from the sponsors, So Rare Academy. If you like fantasy games, have a look at this. You pick five players across the um, top five European leagues. 
um, I haven't updated the metric at the bottom here because um, I haven't been able to get a new metric, but basically you pick uh, five different players, goalkeeper to forwards uh, across, you know, the top five European leagues. And if you do well over the weekend, score lots of points, same fantasy premise, you get to win these so rare cards, which are like worth some money and you can build a team and battle other people and play tournaments in the so rare game. So if you like fantasy stuff, check it out. It's completely free to free to play this so rare Academy game. So, so give it a, give it a go. Um, right beforehand, I haven't, I've noticed I just haven't updated this, um, presenter overlay. Oh, I'm going to do that quickly. Um, here we go. Nice. Okay. Um, right. Let's get into it. Um, God, what a shocker that's thrown me now. <laughs> yeah, it's got me on a red arrow. I know, unbelievable, good. unbelievable. Yeah. I've forgotten to update that one, but it's fine. We will get straight into it, and let's have a look at the fixtures. Um, so instead of the usual team graphics, we've got um, a fixtures metric here, which just shows um, the, t the 12 teams that have a double this game week. Their XG is across the bottom, and this is since the 1st of January 2022. So basically since the second half, start of the second half of the season. And I thought that's like sufficiently long time period to sort of give uh, the teams that have had a bit of a bounce since then, like the likes of Newcastle, um, a fresh start. You know, I don't want to look at the last six because it's too small a sample size. I don't want to look until the start of the season because it's, loses a bit of um trend so since the first of jan we're looking at this teams with their xg across the bottom uh their opponents their two opponents combined xg conceded so their defensive stats their opponents defensive stats are added up and they're across the top so we basically if a team is in the top right they've got a really high xg a really high attacking stats against two really poor opponents now there aren't any teams in the top right because there's there isn't that perfect marriage of um really high attack versus really poor defense but you can see a clear trend you've got chelsea arsenal city and liverpool in that line which almost state that they're all really good options this week and you know you don't need this chart to know that ryan um obviously we should caveat that um, we think that Chelsea's double is likely to be a little bit more uneventful than the other three teams um, because that second fixture, we're likely to see heavy rotation. Having said that, and I want to get your thoughts on this, um, now that they lost to Everton and Arsenal won, there is a chance that Chelsea have to play full strength in their double just to keep the wolf from their door. Now, what do you think? Is that going to happen or, or rotation rife? Yeah, I think uh, that defeat to Everton was probably good news for fantasy managers who have Chelsea assets because they're only five points, I think, in front of Arsenal now and Tottenham are just behind that as well. So I think there's only like a four or five point gap between Chelsea and Arsenal and Spurs in fourth and fifth. So the pressure's on. I mean, it feels like top four is fairly secure for Chelsea, but the longer these dropped points continue to go on and Arsenal and Spurs breathing down their neck, anything can happen. And um, I think Thomas Tuchel will want to secure top four as soon as he can. I expect to see a fairly strong team in that Wolves fixture. As you say, we do expect rotation against Leeds. 
That game comes just a few days before the FA Cup final. They've got a couple of nice fixtures on the other side of this double game week. I think they've got Leicester and then they've got Watford, I think, in game week 38. So, you know, Thomas Tuchel probably looks at those two fixtures and thinks that they can get maximum points out of that. It's not panic stations just yet. But, yeah, certainly that first fixture against Wolves, that's a really nice fixture. Yeah, they've been sort of poor recently, Wolves. Um, It seems like they massively overperformed in the first half of the season. And since then, it's been evening itself out and they've been really underperforming. Three goals conceded to Brighton just says it all, really. Um, So at least it's a good first fixture for Chelsea. Um, And then probably what will happen, I don't know. I'm not not a Chelsea fan. I'm sure Chelsea fans know a little bit more about it than I do. But I would would guess that the more injury-prone... Um, uh, recovery rate, fewer players, et cetera, et cetera, like Reese James, who have been struggling with an injury worry, he's probably more likely to be rotated in that second game. The the players that maybe play game in, game out, like Mason Mount, maybe Kai Havertz, depending on whether his form continues to fall, those guys might still be um, in the team against Leeds. So I don't think it will be a full change. I think it will just be the the key players playing for Chelsea and so would you mm. would you agree with that yeah it's hard to know i mean like what would you consider to be a full change because leicester for example they made eight changes against spurs i think that's probably as close to a full change as we might see from thomas tuchel and who who are the ones that remain i mean if we're talking about the key fantasy assets right if we just start off in defense and move our way forward let's talk about reese james Rudiger and Alonso. What are your thoughts on those three players? Do they play both games? Do they start both? What are your thoughts on James, Rudiger and Alonso for this double game week? I think I have more confidence about Alonso just playing sort of every game until the end of the season, to be honest, because there's not really any other proper left backs. Um, And I think he just, just, he hasn't played a full season either. He's been left out on occasion. Um, so it's not going to take its toll as it as it would do on other players. I, I think he probably starts every game until the end of the season. I don't think that's the same for Rhys James. Um, I'm not sure about Rudiger because, yeah, he's had a little bit of injury worry recently. But if he if he starts the first game, I think he'll start the second and then he'll probably continue because he's such a key player as that centre-back. Um, so out of the three, I think I'd have more worry about Rhys James starting. Um, mm. The other two... I, I wouldn't be surprised if they just continued to play. But at the same time, it really depends on Tuchel's appetite to rotate. He could rotate that front three. He could bring in Ziyech, Lukaku uh, and Pulisic and and play like a Loftus-Cheek and whoever in midfield. Um, and then play Azpi on the right wing back and bring in like Saar and Chalabar and whoever, centre-back. So mm. I, who who knows? But I mean, it's difficult to speculate, but... I think three or four key players still play that game for Chelsea. So uh, it's just depending on who those key players are. Fingers crossed for yeah. Alonso. Yeah. I was talking to a Chelsea fan today and, and he's pretty confident that Mason Mount plays both games. Uh, he's confident that he starts against Wolves and at least, at the very least, sees minutes against Leeds. Although he's confident that Mason Mount starts both games. He's integral to everything that Chelsea do going forward. I know that Kovacic has just come back from injury. He came off the bench, I think, for Chelsea. Um, and that alleviates some of the creative pressure from Mount in midfield. 
Um, and maybe Thomas Tuchel will see that as an opportunity to give Mount some some rest. But yeah, I'm, I'm more confident of Mason Mount starting both games than Kai Havertz and, and Timo Werner. I think that Havertz and Werner will be rested for that game against Leeds. Thomas Tuchel has already kind of hinted at that. His recent comments about their energy levels and their fatigue and and how sharp they are. A lot of us thought that rest was coming against Everton and it was a pretty dismal performance really from Chelsea in that game. They, I think mentally, they just got completely overawed by Everton and yeah, I think I think we'll see some changes from Tuchel, uh, especially up front with Havertz and Werner. Well, we'll have to see. It's just speculation at the moment. But nevertheless, they do have fairly easy opponents. Hopefully, the players that do play twice um, have some good uh, FPL point yields because uh, Wolves and Leeds have been struggling recently. Um, but let's just go to the the main point of this graphic is I, I think if, if you're free hitting, if you've steered your team using free hits to try and make maximize this double game week i think most people are going to have triple liverpool triple city double arsenal double chelsea and one of maybe everton maybe a villa maybe a leicester or whoever um i think that's a really good combination and obviously if you if that is the case then you will struggle to field double game week players in game week 37 obviously if you're free hitting that um distinguishes that problem but Let's talk about these other teams in the top left. Um, Leicester, this is in between their, um, is it UEFA Conference, Conference League final? Yeah. So I don't know how much they're going to rotate. I think the the hypothesis is they probably will rotate very heavily. Um, mm. And Madison seems to, he was completely left out at the weekend, wasn't he? Possible injury. Yeah. We, mm. we are yet to know about Madison. So, definitely worth waiting in the press conference to see yeah. his his fitness level because he's probably the only player I'd touch from Leicester, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I think Brennan Rogers was saying that he's got a hip issue at the moment and um, they're just trying to manage that. I think the result for Leicester is really important against Roma. If they get through to the final, the final takes place after the Premier League season is finished. But you have to think that if Leicester do go through to the final, then Madison's minutes will continue to be managed if he does have the, this hip issue because they obviously want him to be fit for the final. So even, yeah, I think I would wait to see whether Leicester progress against Roma in the semi-final before making a call on Madison. As you say, he'd probably be the only one that I would go for. Maybe Dewsbury Hall if you're on a bench boost. But there's some reports of him feeling some some tightness in his hamstrings. That's not great to hear either. So, yeah, there's some significant rotation risks around the Leicester players. And apart from Madison and Dewsbury Hall, I just don't think anyone else is worth it. Yeah, I, I think I, if I was if, if I had Madison, I'd probably keep him um, unless there was some concrete evidence that he was out for a while. Um, but if he even if he plays, you know. Uh, 30, 40 minutes in each game, I think there's a chance because of the uh, defensive stats these both teams have been conceding quite a lot. I think there's a chance that he gets um, quite a lot of points, uh, even if they're even in those limited minutes, but completely depends on his fitness. Um, Norwich, I think we can't go to Pookie really now if you haven't already because mm. they're relegated. Um, yeah. That's going to be pretty demoralizing. And even though Pookie was getting some momentum, I think, steer clear unless you're on bench boost and you need some cheap strikers i think he's absolutely fine as is emmanuel dennis from watford 
Um, he's had a little bit of form recently. Crystal Palace and Everton aren't the worst fixtures, but I'm not sure I'd be going for any other Watford player. I mean, I'm not sure on Saar. Um, he, he was excellent at the start of the season, wasn't he? Um, but uh, I don't even know if he's been playing. I haven't really been watching Watford, actually. Um, but yes, I, I think the key players to we're going to talk about this video are really Everton, Villa and Spurs. And for different reasons, because Everton, they're on the up, they're getting results, they're fighting for their lives in the Premier League. Burnley keep winning, Everton keep <laughs> winning. It's uh, it's interesting. So yeah. we're going to talk about Richarlison, we're going to talk about Anthony Gordon, um, we're going to talk about Watkins, Ings, Ramsey, Coutinho from Villa, and even like a Matty Cash, for example, and whether to sell Spurs assets, because their mm. double against Liverpool away and Arsenal at home is on paper very tricky. But they're in really good form and have been since the since the turn of the year. So what are your, your views about selling Tottenham, Ryan? Yeah, I think when it, whenever you're talking about selling a player, you have to say, well, who are you selling them for? And, and that answer will help determine whether it's a good decision, right, to sell the player or not. And so in the case of Spurs, we're looking at Kane, Son, Kulisevsky. Who are you selling these players for? And right now, apart from the obvious being Salah, in midfield, I think the only player you could probably justify selling Son or Kane for would be Kevin De Bruyne. He had his rest against Leeds. Um, we know that there's some slight injury concerns there, but I don't think Pep can afford to not play Kevin De Bruyne for the remainder of the season. So in midfield, I would say the only player that I, I could probably justify selling Son or Kane for would be De Bruyne. There's no one else up front that I would you know, want to sell Kane for. And I, I don't even think it's worth downgrading one of these players to bring in a Cancelo or a Robertson in defence. I think probably the only player that I would bring, uh, that I would sell Son or Kane for would be De Bruyne or Salah if you don't have these guys already. But for me, I've got Son. I think the fixtures in double game week 36 really suits on. Liverpool, we know that they play a high line. They do give up chances and Son's pace, getting in behind. We know the tactic from Conte will be for Kane to drop deep and to launch through balls in for Son to, to get on the end of. So I think that's a good fixture for Tottenham. And then again, playing Arsenal. Arsenal defensively haven't been too strong recently. Tommy Asu is just coming back from injury. Um, you know, they've got some concerns as well in midfield. So Ben White, I think he might be out as well now. Rob Holding had to come in for that fixture. So looking at that on paper and looking at the fixtures for Tottenham in your graph, it looks like a difficult double game week for Spurs. And it is. But I think for Son and his unique capability, I think it's a good double game week. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the counter-attacking side Spurs, you know, they're they're going to enjoy playing against high-possession teams. I, I think the Arsenal game is where Son can really capitalise. It really depends on how Arteta sets up. Liverpool have been really def defensively strong. Um, they've been managing to prevent uh, counter-attacking play from most teams. And they have the best goalkeeper, arguably, uh, well, it's in the Premier League, the best goalkeeper in the Premier League for stopping one-on-one, one-on-ones. Um, mm. So, whether or not Son just completely counteracts that is fine. Um, but yeah, I completely agree with you. He's got every chance of doing well in those mm. fixtures. So we'll discuss more Spurs later on. 
Um, Aston Villa, they've got this double-double, Burnley and Liverpool, this one. Mm. I think they have a better double in 37. But if you haven't got any chips, there's no reason why you can't get on a Villa asset. We'll talk about their stats, we'll talk about their points in a minute, uh, which player to go for. Um, And I think the Everton double is really understated. I think Leicester Mm. and Watford, on paper, Leicester may be a more tricky fixture, but the fact that they are, you know, embroiled in focusing on Europe, I think yeah. Everton, they're fighting for their lives. They can really capitalise on that game. Le- Leicester conceding quite a lot of goals. So I-, I think an Everton player might be a really good shout as well. Um, so let's move on to the first graphic and we're going to look at uh, points. We're going to look at explosive as explosiveness, I think that's the word, and versus reliability. And we, we sort of looked at this last week. I've sort of updated it to um, be more of a like-for-like comparison. So it's it's chances, it's not chances, it's how often a player has returned as a percentage in their last 10 game weeks. So players towards the right, uh, you can see Jesus and Alexander-Arnold. Jesus, small sample size, take it with a pinch of salt. But Alexander-Arnold has returned at least once in every single game in his last, in which he started in the last yeah. 10 game weeks. So incredible reliability there. But, um, oh, hang on a minute. I've just got a, a pop-up from Zoom saying, running out of time, this meeting will oh. end in 10 minutes. Yeah, I can um, see that too. I think Zoom's updated recently to um, to kick you out, actually. That is really annoying. I might have to, like, start a new one or change to a different one um so yeah sorry guys we'll we'll do i'm going to go for another sort of five ten minutes and then i'll try and sort that out it might be a little bit of a a gap in the stream i think zoom's updated normally we we could have done this uh, as per normal so bear with us in about five minutes i'll sort that out um but yeah just continue the description of the graph we on t- towards the top we've got the percentage of times that they've actually had a double digit haul in the last 10 game weeks um so the players towards the top are, are more explosive. They've got, they've had much higher chance. They've had much higher. Uh, they've proven that they've have a much higher percentage of scoring uh, multiple returns. And Son and Kane are up there. Sixteen returns in twelve starts for Kane. Fourteen returns in twelve starts for Son. Um, and Salah, you know, he's up there, but he's not quite as good as those Spurs guys. So it's going to be difficult to sell those ahead of this double game week, Ryan. Really difficult. Robertson there, 12 returns in nine starts. Consistent, very, very consistent. And Kulisevsky, you know, equally as consistent for his price. Um, so plenty of players to discuss there. Um, what I might do, guys, is before starting this, I'm going to just quickly end the Zoom and um, switch over to another account, which I know is professional, and then we can keep going from there. Um, so just bear with us for like a couple of minutes. So Ryan, I'm going to kick you out and then I'm going to send you a Zoom link. And if you could just join that as quickly as possible, that'd be really good. Yep. Sounds good. Um, one second, one second, don't leave. Um, notepad.
Okay, I'll send you the new link in a minute. Sorry guys, bear with me. I'm still streaming, so I just need to swap, switch over to another account. Recording in progress. Recording stopped. Well, it won't be two minutes, chaps. I'm sorry about this. Really, really annoying. Really annoying. I wonder if anyone knows in the chat about whether Zoom's updated their um their free free service. I think they've they've seems to be they've got rid of it. So that's super annoying. Zoom to Teams minus four. <laughs> I hate Teams. Teams is awful. Like, it just seems like the video quality is just not quite there. We in? Are you there? Are you there? Yep. Yes. Yep. Okay. Seems like we might be back. Woohoo! Sorry about that, chaps. <laughs> My favourite comment of the season: Zoom to Teams for a hit. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, some good comments in the chat. I like that. Skype is the real OG. Okay, I'm going to have to bear that in mind for future streams um, mm. and have the use of the professional one. I thought I could get away with it on a on a, on a a basic contract, but it seems that they've changed that. Right, back to the stream. No further delay. Sorry for that. Um, what we're we talking about? We're talking about points here, Ryan. We're talking about how many points these guys have scored in the last 10 game weeks, a sufficient amount mm. of time. And there's plenty, you know, there's the usual culprits here. There's Liverpool. We know Liverpool are good. I'm sure if you have any three of those guys, you're going to be happy. Probably Salah, Roberts and Trent are probably the ones. But um, like, how difficult is it going to be about selling these Spurs guys for the likes of maybe De Bruyne, who's had eight returns and eight starts? Pretty good reliability, pretty good explosiveness. Is it a good move in your opinion? To sell Spurs for someone like a De Bruyne? Yeah, I think it's a tough one. I mean... We, we look back at these returns and a lot of it has to do with the fixtures that these teams have had. So it'd be interesting to have a look at the correlation, obviously, between FPL returns and the difficulty of the fixtures that these teams have faced. There's no doubt that City have the better fixtures than Spurs from now until the end of the season. So I think there's every chance that KDB with better fixtures outscores Son and Kane with more difficult fixtures. I think there's a chance of that happening. And with only three game weeks left until the end of the season, variance is going to be more volatile than in the middle of the season, for example. You can get away with 
with not having Trent and with not having Salah across three game weeks. But you can't get away with that across the whole season. So Son and Kane, they are great assets. But can you get away with not having them in three game weeks for Kevin De Bruyne with better fixtures? I think you can. There's a risk. But I definitely think that you can get away with not having Son or Kane and selling them to go for a De Bruyne. It's it's really annoying, isn't it? Because uh, Spurs have Burnley and Norwich in 37 and 38. So it makes it additionally difficult to sell these guys, like two ideal fixtures. Um, if you've got a free hit in 37, you can get Kane and Son back in and then potentially even move De Bruyne to Son in game week 38. This is potentially what I'm considering. I'm considering moving Kane to De Bruyne. That's two moves for a hit this week. I think City's fixtures are just really, really good. The the momentum, mm. the the necessity they they mm. have to to win every single game until the end of the season is just so paramount. And I, I think De Bruyne is that key attacking asset for City. I know he got rested, and that's probably an additional reason to get him. Um, nice rest ahead of the Champions League game. Obviously, we need to wait until I think they're playing on Tuesday. They're playing tomorrow, I think. Um, it, just wait until after that game to see what happens, see what the state of play is. But I do like just for game week 36, to, uh, like a Kane to De Bruyne. I, I think Son to De Bruyne is more of a difficult move because he's mm. just been in such amazing form. Um, so really, really difficult one. And like, even though you look at Son and Kane up there, 14 returns in 12 for Son, 16 returns in 12 for Kane, but the, there's a massive disparity in the type of returns. The Son's mm. got like eight goals and Kane's got like seven or eight assists. But because midfielders score two more points for a goal versus a, an assist, it, it's just, it's, and then the bonus points on top of that, it's just compounded yeah. to be such a major disparity between the two. Yeah, it definitely is. We were talking before the stream about the points that Son and Kane have accrued in the last six game weeks. So in the last six game weeks, Kane has scored 37 FPL points and Son has scored 73. And the returns are very similar. But as you say, it's the different type of return. Son is getting more goals. Kane is getting more assists. And then Son is, of course, getting the clean sheet points and the um, extra points for his goal. So, yeah, I think it's it, that's probably something that we don't see in this graphic is that whilst the return number might be similar, it's the size of that return, which we kind of need to dig into a little bit more. Uh, I think I was looking at your team before we jumped into the stream and you're someone who doesn't have Son. And I think that your team kind of encapsulates the managers who don't have Son versus the managers who do, like me. It is very difficult, if not impossible, for me to have Salah, Son and De Bruyne in my team. I would have to break my team to try and guard against De Bruyne and bring him in whilst holding on to Son and Salah. But for you, your money and your budget and your team is structured in such a way that you can get to a De Bruyne more easily and you can have Salah and De Bruyne. And I think you, you say, this is my De Bruyne sword and I'm coming up against your Son sword and let's just see who the winner is because no team will have both. Yeah. And, and so that's going to be the battle. It's the Son versus De Bruyne because you can't have both and Salah in your team and, and everyone's going to have Salah. 
So the fact that Kane is slightly more expensive actually works in my favour because it's a cash cow down to De Bruyne, who's, I think, 0.6 cheaper, something like that. So, but but then again, I'm, I'm spending like 2 million more on Kane versus Son or whoever, uh, who's arguably a better player. So <laughs> it's a silver lining in my, um, you know, misery of not owning Son. But yeah, I completely get it. And I think De Bruyne owners this week will be very tempted to captain him. Whereas I think the likes of people who keep hold of Son are going to captain Salah this week. So it's going to be a massive battle between Salah captainers and De Bruyne captainers, even though De Bruyne probably won't be that highly owned. And I think if you're looking to climb the rankings, De Bruyne captain this week is probably, you know, a really good upside move. And I'm going to fear uh, having a, going up against a really high EO Salah captain. So... Uh, I don't know. I, I think I probably will captain De Bruyne because of the fixtures. I think Liverpool's fixtures, mm. Spurs and Villa, Salah's form recently has dipped a little bit. Um, I, I, I'm quite happy about De Bruyne just as a non-upside move, like just as a choice. Like I think you'll get more points than Salah. So it's a really difficult one. But I think if you're going to do the move from Kane to De Bruyne, I think it's worth it, even if you don't captain him to be completely honest. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's a good conversation, but let, let's have a talk about these these other guys because, especially the Villa Villa players, because I think they're going to be very topical coming up. They, they got a 2-0 win this weekend, which is obviously great, and they got that clean sheet. They've got, I think they've got two clean sheets in a row now. So for anyone investing in, like, Matty Cash, for example, you're, you're sort of excited at the moment because, especially game week 37 where your fixtures are slightly easier you could expect you could have um, expect those those clean sheet points in 37 i think villa could be one to invest in and the the guy that i was most impressed by was danny ings the problem is he's had very limited minutes over this time period now could we see more starts and more returns from danny ings over the next couple of game weeks Mm, it's a good question. I mean, if we if we knew the answer, if Danny Ings was nailed on to start every game, I think he'd be in a lot more teams. As it is, his fitness concerns, and I think what if, what we've seen from him recently, um, we just can't trust that Danny Ings will start back to back games, and that's why people have gone for Watkins. I, I don't think that if we're comparing finishing ability, Watkins is a better finisher than Danny Ings. It's just that we can trust the reliability of starts from Watkins. And if you're buying a player for a double game week and they only play one, then most of the reason why you brought them into your team is completely redundant. So with Danny Ings, I think he's a great asset. But look, they've got Burnley, Liverpool, and then Crystal Palace and Burnley in their double-double. And then they've got City in game week 38. So he's probably not someone that I would want to bring in for a free transfer. But if you're on a free hit in 37... Yeah, definitely someone that you might want to look at then. So I'm just looking at his timeline here. And um, when he was fit back in maybe tw- game week 26, from game week 26, he started five games in a row up until game week 29. And he got four attacking returns in that period. Very decent. Since then, I think he's been struggling with a little bit of an injury issue. He played eight minutes against Arsenal, zero minutes against Wolves. Mm. He started against Spurs and then didn't play against Leicester and then started against Norwich. So he's only had two starts in his last five games. Um, But what we know about Ings is he's more of an explosive player. And that sort of says, that demonstrates on the chart 
Because when you compare him to Watkins, his position, you can see that he's got a propensity for a double-digit haul, uh, much higher chance of that than Watkins, who's been just sort of... When he, when he returns, it's literally just one return in a game. Zero, zero double-digit hauls in the last 10 game weeks. Uh, he's got four returns in nine. Very, very steady Eddie. So he's an unexciting pick, but it's a double game week. If you want reliability, go Watkins. If you want the chance that Ings starts a run of games like he did from game week 26, a more explosive player, then go Ings. Otherwise, mm. you're gambling that Coutinho gets a bit of a resurgence. He's been pretty pretty rubbish recently, Ryan. What's What's happened to Coutinho? Yeah, I mean, I think in in some respects the, the returns haven't been there, but he was he was fairly creative in that game against Norwich. I think he supplied four key passes, so his chance creation was quite high. It's the most of any player in the game. Just the returns haven't been there, and the fixtures have been quite difficult for Villa. We know that Coutinho is a little bit of a flat track bully, so I'm not expecting Coutinho to do too well in double game week 36. They've got Burnley, which is nice, but that fixture against Liverpool. I just don't see Coutinho doing too well in that game. 37, Crystal Palace and Burnley. I think they suit Coutinho a little bit more. Definitely didn't live up to the hype ahead of the Norwich fixture. And, and I think a lot of managers were banking on him returning in that game. But, you know, his chance creation was high. I think his expected goals was pretty high as well. I think he had 0.3 in that game. So he's still, you know, taking some decent shots. I think just the points haven't returned for Coutinho just yet. But just going to make a quick comment on Villa and, and Danny Ings there before we move off Danny Ings. And we know that Gerard has kind of played a 4-3-2-1 slash a 4-3-1-2. You know, occasionally he's played with Danny Ings and Watkins up front. But recently he's moved to a, a single striker formation with Watkins there. But there was the injury to Leon Bailey early in that game. I'm not sure Gerard trusts Buendia and Coutinho starting together as two kind of number 10s, if you like. So we might see Gerard revert to the 4-3-1-2 with Coutinho in behind Danny Ings and Watkins. And I think if we see Gerard do that with his formation against Burnley... I would, I would definitely be on board bringing Danny Ings in for the free hit in 37 because I think if they go for the 4-3-1-2 uh, and we see Ings and Watkins up front, if they're both playing 90 minutes, I prefer Ings to Watkins. So if I had to push you and you had to make that move this week rather than waiting one, what would you gamble on? Oh, good question. Um, so I have to bring in either Watkins or Ings to my team. Uh, depends on whether you want to chase or whether you want to protect. I'm probably more of a chaser than a protector. I would go for Danny Ings. I don't like Watkins as an asset. I just just look at the the massive disparity between Ings' explosiveness and Watkins, but mm. also look at the the reliability versus for for Watkins versus Ings. I think the gap between the explosiveness is much greater than Watkins. Uh, versus Ings. Well, I'd say much mm. greater. I mean, it, it's probably about the same because the scale is slightly different. But I, I mean, I, I'd rather have someone who is more explosive and I mean, who has more of a, a, a better return rate. Six returns in six starts. That's one return per start. Uh, Watkins is less than half than that. So 
really difficult, really difficult one. I'm quite happy that I have to wait a game week for, in, in order to decide. But mm. if it depends if you're upside chasing, of course. But I, I like the I like the dilemma. I think um, Ramsey is an also, is an interesting one as well. One return in ten, he's sort of fallen off the the apple cart a little bit. But for his price, he could be an enabler, uh, and he seems to be starting every game, so uh, absolutely fine. Um, mm. So an interesting one there. I, I'm not sure we reached a complete conclusion. I think probably it was go Watkins if you just want reliability. Uh, go Ings if you want some upside, but that might completely change ahead of game week 37. Um, mm. Let's, I've just got a super chat here from Nick. Um, guys, please don't send any more super chats because um, otherwise this will basically turn into a Q&A, but I'm going to answer this from Nick um, just because you didn't really know that, but uh, he said, he asked, which Chelsea to City move would you make this week? James to Laporte, Havertz to Foden or Werner to Jesus? Really difficult one, and I guess that that really um, emphasises the move from Chelsea to City this week. We like Chelsea. Uh, we like City's double. Um, I think Laporte is, you know, a solid solid move. I think James probably does get rotated, and you're probably going to get an extra fixture from Laporte. Havertz to Foden. Less sure about that one because um, Foden could e- equally get rotated in one of those games. Uh, likewise, Havertz. So not as clear-cut. Do you like the Jesus move, Werner to Jesus? No, not really. I mean, Jesus recently has been quite explosive, and we can see there at least a return in his last 10 game weeks. So he's had seven returns from three starts. So incredible form from Jesus recently. I don't like Werner to Jesus really, because I just don't think we can rely on him for starts. I probably prefer the Habits to Foden move, but I'd almost be tempted to go Werner down to a double game week striker, even someone like a Richarlson or a Danny Ings or a Watkins or a Pookie, even lower if you wanted to go for an Inkedia and then do Habits to KDB. You might already have KDB, but I'd probably be tempted to take more cash out of my front line and then make my midfield stronger. Yeah, even for a hit. I don't mind that mm. at all, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so hopefully that answers your question, Nick. Uh, but yeah, just to reiterate, no more super chats, please. We won't answer them. Sorry, even though the 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 money does go to Street Street Child United, I think the other guys have been plugging that in their streams. Um, but yeah, back to it. And I think I wanted to discuss Everton here because Richarlison has been really good recently. Five returns in his last eleven starts, but I think those five returns have come fairly recently in the latter part of this 10-game-week period. So he's in a bit of form, Ryan. Do you own Richarlison and do you kind of want him? Well, I want to see what happens with the flare gate first and to see whether there's any suspension. Um, I can't speculate on what will happen there, but of course, if he faces a suspension, then he he you know falls off the radar completely. He, he's Everton's talisman. He's on penalties now. He's got that definitely above Calvert-Lewin. He's leading the line for Everton. And I think even if Calvert-Lewin comes back, I don't see Richarlson's um, FPL appeal diminishing. I'm really tempted by Richarlson. I favour him more than Watkins. Your graph has Richarlson over Watkins here. Um, he's got five returns in 11 starts. A little bit more explosive, I think, as well than Watkins. That's why he's a little bit higher. His double-digit haul percentage is a little bit higher than Watkins. So, yeah, it's definitely tempted by Richarlison. And as we saw from the team graph that you had earlier, Everton's fixtures in double game with 36 are actually pretty decent. They're, they're playing a Leicester team 
who are distracted by Europe, and then they're playing a Watford team who hate playing at home. So I think it's a good double game week for Everton. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to move on to the next chart because it, all of these are the same sort of players. But this is momentum. So this is how much their stats and returns have changed in the last four game weeks to the prior four game weeks. So just to, uh, the top right is is players that have actually increased their XGI per 90, uh, this non-penalty, and increased their non-penalty attacking returns in the last four compared to the prior four. So it's like they're getting better recently. And I kind of want to capitalize on that trend. You can see Werner, Richarlison. Richarlison is definitely the one that, that intuitively you could come up and say, yes, he's got a bit of form. Yes, he's he's improving. But likewise, Pookie, Watkins, Anthony Gordon are also there. Uh, I'm not sure we go Diaz unless you want to really, really punt because he's not completely sure of minutes. But it's interesting to see that Richarlison uh, and Watkins are in that top right quadrant. Their stats have improved and their returns have improved. Mm-hmm. Um, do Does that bode well going forward? I think it does. And it kind of makes me want Richarlison that bit more. So, yeah, completely. Mm, yeah. yeah. I, I'm just trying to, to understand. You, you might go on to explain the colour coding as well for Richarlison above and below his name. Does that mean his fixtures recently have been more difficult than they were five to eight game weeks ago. Yeah, absolutely. So it's even more of an impressive feat mm. to actually do better. I mean, you know, they've played Liverpool, they've played Chelsea in the last four. Um, overall, those four fixtures have been harder than they were five to eight, five to eight game weeks ago. So the fact that he's improved his attacking stats and he's improved mm. his actual returns is is a great feat. And um, Gordon is kind of the same. Um, so. They really are fighting for their lives. They're really, really going for it. And um, I think I want a piece of that action. So I think Richarlison comes in this game week for me. Um, but yeah, Watkins is kind of the same to a lesser extent. And Watkins last week on this chart was uh, bottom right. So his stats have improved. And then, of course, he got his goal at the weekend. So I don't know whether that, that's just coincidence, the fact that the stats have improved. Therefore, he's actually got a return. I wonder whether that continues into the double-double. Mm, yeah, it's hard to know. I mean, the the fixture for Villa against Liverpool, I don't see them getting much out of that from an attacking point of view. If, if you don't have any Villa now, I think you wait until 37 and you get them on a free hit or maybe you, you dabble with a Coutinho or a Watkins or Ings for that double game week. I, I don't know if I'd be buying anyone ahead of this double. Yeah, interesting one. Um, yeah, so there's, there's actually an interesting uh, talking point about Richarlison that he's got nine yellow cards. Yeah, but, I'm seeing that in the chat. Mm. Yeah, he, the, people are saying in the chat, but the 10 card uh, limit for suspension has actually moved. I think it was in game week 32 that might have happened actually. So he mm. won't get suspended if he gets more uh, yellow cards. He might, however, get suspended because of the flare thing. So uh, the moral of the story is basically wait until the end of the game week to bring in Richarlison we will know whether he's been cleared from that or, or not. Also, there's an additional slight concern about whether he's injured, but that was cleared up. I think Neil wrote a Fantasy Football Scout article this morning. It was just cramp. Lampard yeah. confirmed that it was just cramp. So fingers yeah. crossed, it was just a, a minor little um, fatigue that he was suffering at the end of, the, end of that game. Um, mm. But he's definitely on my radar. I'm kind of excited. Mm. Yeah, he's a, he's a potential captain option even in game week 37. I, I agree with what, what's being said, especially from FBL Spartans in the chat. 
Richarlison feels like he's one brain snap away from a red card in any <laughs> game. And he's the type of, you know, you, you flick the TV on and you see a little red square above Everton's name. And the first thought is, what has Richarlison done? So there's that kind of downside. I think he is quite a fiery character. We saw that a little bit in the game against Chelsea. But yeah, look, for me, Richarlison, a genuine captain option in game week 37. We know that Everton at home have been in remarkable form recently. They beat um, Manchester United and Chelsea at home recently. Um, and they've got, I think they've got two fixtures at home in 37. Um, I might be wrong there, but I think they've got a couple of nice home fixtures to finish the season. So yeah, Richarlson, a great option. I think whether you're on a free hit or whether you have no chips left, I like Richarlson more than a Watkins, for example. So I want to just touch on Danny Ings here because clearly... He's improved his attacking stats. This is per 90. So he's only had like 50, 60 minutes in the two starts he's actually had in the last five game weeks. So on a per 90 basis, that basically enhances his numbers a little bit. But nevertheless, Mm. those numbers have definitely improved. He's getting loads and loads of chances. And he's, you know, he converted a couple at the weekend. Well, I think one of them was an assist. Um, But it it just adds to the interest for me and i'm glad i'm waiting one more week but um it's interesting there and madison there obviously hasn't he didn't play at the weekend so this hasn't changed it's the last graphic but stats have improved uh it's a little bit underwhelming on the on the attacking returns but the numbers are there i think if he plays any sorts of minute in this double game week he Mm. can get something i think he's I i can't remember what game it was but i think it was two game weeks ago and he had all the chances in that game, but they just couldn't. I think it was a Villa game, actually. He, he just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. But he mm. had so many good attacking stats numbers that the signs are there. The signs are there. Yeah, completely. And, you know, we, we often say in a double game week, you know, you want to bring in players who are playing both games or the players with the highest level of expected minutes because it's a double game week. You want them just for their appearance points. They're likely to get at least four points. So if they're playing a double game week, bring in the players who are going to be playing the most minutes. But looking at Madison, he is such an explosive asset and Leicester's double game week is against Everton and Norwich. I think both are at home. Now, If he doesn't play the Everton game, which comes very quickly after the Europa Conference League game for Leicester, let's say he doesn't play the Everton game, that's a single game week fixture against Norwich, a relegated Norwich at home. I would be happy to have Madison for a single game week fixture against Norwich at home, knowing that he's got a double game week in 37 to come after, which will be uninterrupted by Europe, whether Leicester progress or whether they're knocked out. So last week, ahead of Villa versus Norwich, all the talk was Coutinho, Coutinho, Coutinho. He's got Norwich, and then he's got back-to-back doubles. This week, you could even argue that Madison has got a single game week against Norwich, and then he's got a double in game week 37. Now, I, I think that's a pretty strong case to bring Madison in. I I think anyone that's holding him definitely shouldn't sell. I'm not I'm not 100% sure whether it's a stretch too far to bring him in. But I completely agree with you. Even if you treated it just as a single game week, I think he's got mm. an absolutely fantastic chance. Um, but even if those minutes are divided between the two fixtures, I think it's equally as fine. So, yeah, 
an interesting one for sure. So I just wanted to, uh, a couple of questions in the chat um, asking like, where are these other players? Um, there are some players on here that are just so, the change has been so massive that they can't actually fit on this chart. So Jesus is one of them. His um, change is actually near, for attacking returns is like up to two, but his um, XGI changes on like a minus one. So he's a really, really top left. It's kind of a real big extreme, but the problem is, it's kind of a small sample size. He's only really played two or three games. Um, so it's one to ignore. And another Other players that have dropped off massively with their attacking returns per game is Cristiano Ronaldo. Plenty of hat-tricks mm. scored. To, you know, recently, that's died down. Um, Rhys James has really, really uh, died off as well because obviously I think he got that um, goal and assist um, uh, in game week 28, I think it was. And then since then, not done nothing. Raheem Sterling is another one with attacking returns. Mm. So mm. those four players have really fallen off. Um, so yes, like any other players to talk about, Harry Kane here has really yeah. fallen off in both. And that kind of enables me a little bit with my mind to go Kane to De Bruyne. I think it makes it easier. Um, and the same with, well... I want to the same. I'm keeping Havertz, but that does not bode well for Havertz. I'm, I'm a little bit upset. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think for for those guys in that in that bottom kind of quarter, if you like, or bottom section, um, Kane, Havertz, Coutinho. It's not great signs for them. I brought Coutinho into my team last game week with the intention of holding him through 36 and 37. But the midfield spots are so coveted right now. It feels like carrying a Havertz or even carrying a Coutinho or a Rafinha or Kulisevsky, it feels suboptimal when you could replace them with, you know, someone else in midfield that a De Bruyne or a Foden, for example, these players that we don't yet have. So, yeah, I think it's a it's a big call for managers with the likes of Kane, Havertz, Coutinho, Rafinha, Kulisevsky. Do you hold these players or do you move to the other midfielders that we've discussed, even a Madison. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I, I was just looking at the the Spurs guys, Son and Kulisevsky at the top there. It's going, well, Son, Kulisevsky and Kane, they've all reduced their non-penalty XGI. And then maybe that's just a, a representation of the difficult sort of games that they've had recently. They struggled in two innocuous games as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it seems like Kulisevsky and Son, their attacking returns have not decreased as much as Kane. And I think that's because Son has scored a couple of wonder goals. Kulisevsky tends to assist those. So maybe they're just sort of dovetailing a little bit. I wonder whether that's some indication about um, regression. Uh, but maybe mm. not. Maybe it's just the fact that uh, they were underperforming uh, and uh, in the previous four game weeks so so who knows but let's let's move on from this chart because um i want to have a look at these stats themselves um because i think you know the change in stats the change in returns can be a little bit mis misleading we've got kane top right here and we just saw kane in the bottom left on the previous chart which shows that he's got worse at stuff so his stats must have been insane in that five to eight game week period um you know eight game weeks ago for him to actually reduce and still be really good on this chart. So it's just a different perspective here. Kane is still really good and um, and Son equally so. We've got Jesus above those, small sample size, take it with a pinch of salt. The thing that interests me here is that Salah has kind of 
shrunk recently. He's got further towards the left-hand side, um, slowly but surely, and it kind of makes me a little bit more worried about captaining him this week. Yeah, I think, though, with Salah, I mean, looking at his minutes per expected goal involvement across the last six game weeks, I think Salah's still, like, fourth or fifth best in the league, whereas Kane's dropped right out of the top ten. So the drop from Kane to, to Salah, I think, when we're looking at their stats, for me, Salah's still performing. His underlying statistics are still right up there. Um, I don't think he's been delivering on those statistics as we've seen uh, him do earlier in the season. But for me, Salah right now has the better statistics in terms of expected goal involvement than Kane. And I trust Salah and his conversion. And I think that over a period of time, Salah is a player that will um, fulfill those statistics, if you like. So, yeah, looking at, at Salah's regression, if you like, I'm not too concerned. Um, he's in my team. There's, there's no way that I'm contemplating transferring him out. I know that some managers have gone without Salah. Uh, I think that if you've, if you've done that, you've made your bed. You go elsewhere. I don't think you come back to Salah now. I think you go for De Bruyne or you go for a Son um, and you take it on. But I think if you've got Salah, there's no need to panic and transfer him out. And I still think he's the best captain option this game week. I think it's not a one-horse race, though. I think there's a few other options. I think De Bruyne, I even think Cancelo come into the equation. But Salah, for me, is still the best captain option in game week 36. He's had his rest now as well. I think that adds to the appeal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, not... Nothing to be too worried about. And and equally so, you know, you could look at De Bruyne here and say, you know, he doesn't really do big attempts. He doesn't do big chances. Um, I'm surprised he hasn't got so many big chances created, which is also included in the big attempts. But equally so, so, so involved, like arguably the most involved player in any game. So many small attempts. And look mm. at the number of small returns he gets. One small return per appearance. It doesn't matter how you get them. He's an incredibly techni technically able player and can convert anything. And he's been proving that. Um, mm. I think what from the last, from the points graph, it was eight returns in eight starts. So that just shows very, very consistent. And arguably, you know, probably the best captain this week, potentially. Um, mm. You know, if you've still got that triple captainship left over, do you do you plump on, on Salah or De Bruyne? Yeah, well, earlier when we're looking at your team stats graph, I think it showed that City had, on paper, the better double game week. City of Newcastle at home and then Wolves away. Liverpool have Tottenham at home and Villa away. I do like City's double more than Liverpool. So I think there's definitely a shout there to captain De Bruyne over Salah. I think you understand the risk in terms of the effective ownership, but I don't think captaining De Bruyne is a bad option this game week. No, I completely agree. And I'm very tempted to do it myself, to be completely honest. Um, you can see there Richarlison, <laughs> really, really good stats. Um, and he was like bottom left a few game weeks ago. So in the difficult fixtures, he's actually increased his stats. We saw that on the momentum graph a minute ago. Um, again, just a further, further enhancing his appeal. Um, yeah, don't want to talk about Richarlison again because we've sort of done it to death. But yeah, wait until we see what the ban, um, whether that flare thing sparks up any sort of... Um, oh, nice pun. Oh, That's God, good. yeah. <laughs> terrible. I didn't even know I was making it. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, okay, anyone else to talk about on this? Um, 
like Anthony Gordon, Jacob Ramsey down there, bottom left, mm. you know, limited appeal, but for their price, they can still get something. Ramsey with, with no returns in this last six game weeks. This is on the last six game weeks, by the way. Uh, Anthony Gordon has got a return, 0.3 smaller terms per appearance. And that's what you're basically limited to with Anthony Gordon. He likes a shot from outside the box. Um, but they have sort of been getting closer and closer recently. Um, so he could he could score like a wonder goal in this double game mm. week. Um, mm. And owners will be very happy. But don't expect too much. I think that's the message. Yeah, I think for bench boosters, Anthony Gordon is the way to go. And bench boosters are quite fortunate in the sense that you've got Dewsbury Hall, you've got Gordon, you've got Jacob Ramsey, these budget midfielders who have the double game week. And, you know, you've even got Nketiah as well. So I think initially we thought that there would be um, a dearth of of budget options to include in your bench boost, but I don't think um, that's the case anymore. I think there's quite a few options. I think Gordon is probably the best of that sub 5 million midfield bracket. Um, Yeah, just looking at some of the other options here in, in midfield, those people who owners who had Sterling for the last two game weeks, City score nine goals and Sterling doesn't get a single attacking return. That's got to be frustrating. There's uh, Jesus there and Mares as well from City's midfield. The problem with those guys is, of course, expected minutes. So De Bruyne, I think we're saying, is, is the best asset from City in midfield. But if you want to double up on their attack, who would you partner De Bruyne with? How do you rank their midfield options? Yeah, I haven't got Phil Foden on here, and um, I think it just he just didn't pop up in the top thirty players, and that kind of says it all really about Foden. Is the the returns he's been getting recently? They've been a little bit understated. Um, his stats aren't aren't actually that good, but arguably he's the most secure for minutes at the moment. It seems uh, mm. really high recovery rate, and this is what we we're talking about last week, right? We we're talking about just pick the players who are just going to start more often than than not, and he's probably going to get involved now and then. So I've got Foden at the moment. I'm kind of ha- I wasn't happy recently, but you know, two. Uh, nearly two double figure hauls. I think he got a 10 two game weeks ago and a nine this week. Really, really happy with that. But I kind of feel a little bit fortunate. I, I, you know, he hasn't really done anything to prove that statistics mm. wise. But again, the philosophy that as long as you own some City players and they play more often than not, they're going to get points. So I think Foden is probably the one because he's the cheapest and he's going to start more often than not. Otherwise, you're gambling on the likes of Mares and Sterling. Um, even Jesus, like continuing to keep their places ahead of the likes of um, Grealish and and whoever, Gundogan, mm-hmm. Bernardo Silva, who who might come in uh, and likewise each for, for each other as well. So I, I think De Bruyne and Foden are the probably the best and most secure mm. uh, double up in, in midfield. Otherwise, I think going heavy on defence is a really good and shrewd move because mm. they're arguably the best for keeping clean sheets. Mm. Yeah, I actually really don't mind Bernardo Silva as well. I can see that um, Dread FPL in the chat has mentioned Bernardo Silva. Pep Guardiola uses Bernardo to to um, to, to press quite high. Like he's, he's very energetic, Bernardo Silva. And he got that goal a couple of game weeks ago. I can't remember who City were playing, but they turned the ball over quite... I think it might have even been Brighton. Um, City pressed high. Brighton turned the ball over. De Bruyne got a toe to the ball. And Bernardo Silva's there on the edge of the 18-yard box because he's pushed up high to initiate the press. And I think that Bernardo Silva, in terms of expected minutes, is right up there for City. Um, and, and looking at the fixtures that they've got ahead, I think Bernardo Silva could be an outside chance if you want 
an alternative option in midfield. I've contemplated going, I don't have the funds to get a De Bruyne into my team. So I've even contemplated going triple city defence. Um, yeah, which could be an option for managers as well. So I can see Cancelo there, for example. I mean, he's nailed on, especially with the injuries City have at the back. I just... I'm kind of a bit smug about Cancelo because we, we went a few game weeks ago. Yeah, we, we, did. State, we did. We were stating, yeah. you know, Laporte probably is a, is a decent compromise and Cancelo mm. hasn't really done anything to prove that he's a, a better FPL asset than Laporte because, you know, he's been struggling with conversion. Um, I really, really hate that I'm saying this now because he's definitely, definitely going to punish me this double game week. Like, he, I'm going without him and he's like the highest effective ownership player in that City team that I'm going to, I'm just going to get punished. I know it. He's going to have his 20 point haul. Um, but anyway, I, I think, you know, triple city defense is not a bad option at all. I kind of like mm. it. Um, but I think Foden and De Bruyne for me are, are the yeah. ones that I'm going to enjoy owning. Um, yeah, for sure. But yes, um, I'm not sure there's much to talk about. I mean, Madison there, we've talked about Madison already. Uh, Mason Mount, similar players to De Bruyne, kind of really involved in, involved a lot. Um, probably going to play more often, more minutes. So, you know, similar with Chelsea. I, I think mm. you know, Chelsea players are probably going to be are going to be fine if you pick the players who are going to play more often than not. They're just a little bit more in doubt, as we were discussing at the start of the video. Um the Liverpool defenders, Trent and Robbo, always look a bit worse on this chart because you're comparing them against midfielders and forwards, but we know that their attacking capability is always consistently very, very strong. I recently uh, brought in Robertson to go alongside Trent uh, this week. I wish they could just play, you know, at the same time. That would be really nice. Yeah. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, at least you've got a Liverpool clean sheet. What's your read on the, the Robertson rotation uh, I was having a chat with a few people on Twitter today. What are your thoughts on Robertson's potential rotation? Um, so my th my thoughts, my hopes, I'd start with my hopes. My hopes are that he gets rested midweek in the Champions League because with a 2-0 win, 2-0 uh, um, lead, I should say, there, there's a chance that Simicast comes in uh, and um, he could be equally as effective as Robertson, really. I, I do rate Simicas and... Um, we know that Villarreal don't really score that many goals. So, I mean, I, I think it would be fine to do that. And then, you know, we go into the double game week with Robertson having a rest and then he can start again. If he starts the Champions League, there is a chance he does get rested in one of these games. And that kind of does uh, worry me a little bit. Um, is it Tottenham first for Liverpool or do they play second? Yeah, Tottenham first and then they play Villa. So that's interesting because the order makes me think that that's too big a game to play Simakas in. Yeah. So I I would bet that Robertson gets rested in the Champions League and maybe comes on for like 20, 30 minutes if they if they really need to change it. Um, otherwise, maybe just Robertson's just such a machine that you can just play all these games and be absolutely fine. Yeah. Yeah, but I think Klopp's comments, right, suggested that Robertson was in line for a rest this game week, but with the rest for, for Trent and Simicast, I think he was ill in the week leading up to the match against Newcastle. So I think he was a bit reluctant to play Simicast and to rotate Trent and Robbo and a centre-half centre-back as well. So I think that Klopp intends to rest Robertson at some point in the next few game weeks. I agree with you. I think it's it's coming in the Champions League and then he'll play the rest of the Premier League fixtures. I don't have Robertson. So part of me hopes that he plays the Champions League 
plays the 90 minutes, and then he's rested for one of the double game week fixtures. What are the other options in terms of the Liverpool defence? We've got obviously Van Dijk and Matip. They're probably the main two. Do you think Matip's a chance of being rested for for Canate at all in the Premier League? I'm not so sure about that. I, I think there's been a clear um, separation between when Klopp utilises Canate. It seems to be only in the Cup and in the Champions League. Um, there must be a reason for that. I don't think he just starts messing it all up. I think Matip plays all the Premier League games. And if you were considering other options from Liverpool, I think Matip is probably the one because he he offers slightly more than Van Dijk from a set-piece perspective, funnily enough, from the stats. Um, and he's, you know, otherwise you're going to get clean sheet points and there's no difference between Van Dijk and, and Matip. The, the massive cost saving, I think Matip's now mm. 5.1, something like that. 5.2, um, I think. 5-2 and Van Dyke, what is like 6-8 or something mm. like that. So a huge saving. Um, I think it's a no-brainer to go Matip if you are hunting in the bargain basement aisle. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's a sensible move. Um, I just really hope that Robertson gets rested Champions League. Absolutely yeah, we'll brutal see. from you saying that he wanted to play. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think we are done on the stats. So let's finish the video by having a look at our bus teams and having a look at what transfers we're planning ahead of double game week 36. We'll start with you, Ryan. We've got your team up here and we've got the same formation this week. Probably the same formation as most FPL players, to be completely honest. 4-5-1, and for the benefit of the podcast viewers, I'm just going to read out Ryan's Ryan's team. We've got Ramsdale. This is, by the way, this is these are all double game week players. We've got Ramsdale in goal, uh, Alexander-Arnold, James Cancelo, and Laporte is your theoretical transfer in. You haven't actually made that move yet. Um, Salah captain, Mount Saka, Son Coutinho, and then another transfer in, a theoretical transfer, haven't made the move yet, and Ketty for his mm. double game week. Now, talk us through it. Yeah, so you're right to point out that Laporte and Nketiah are my theoretical transfers. That would be for Connor Cody and for Veghorst. Um, I know that Veghorst doubles in game week 37, but I'm just not confident of holding Veghorst through those fixtures. And I'd probably rather play some of my single game week assets than Veghorst next week. So I'm I'm okay to lose Veghorst. Looking at my team, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with most of the players here. I accept that Reese James is probably only going to play the one game, but I don't mind having Reese James at home against Wolves. I think that's a great fixture for Chelsea. Defensively, they conceded from a great goal against Ronaldo. They made him, as Piliqueta made a mistake against Everton, but apart from that, they were they were quids, quids on, whatever the saying is, quids in yeah. for a clean sheet. Um Someone told me that saying the other day. I've never heard it before, but I just wanted to use it. <laughs> um, yeah, so Chelsea were likely to have a clean sheet against Everton as well, apart from that mistake from Azpilicueta. So I think that James is likely to get at least a clean sheet against Wolves, if not an attacking return. I just don't think it's worth a minus four to transfer him out. So he'll stay in the team. I've got Mason Mount as well. Again, I think I'll be lucky if I get two starts out of him. Happy to have at least one, if that's the case. Looking at the rest of my team, the shortcomings really is the lack of triple city and triple Liverpool. I I would like to have triple city and and triple Liverpool for the double game week. And I'm okay with taking even up to a minus 12 
to make that happen. I think this is going to be a massive double game week. Um, and if I was to get in a Robertson, who, if he got his rest in the Champions League, for example, I don't mind taking a minus four to bring in a Robertson, for example, um, or even in midfield, a Foden um, for a minus four. I just think that, yeah, uh, this is this is a minus four at the moment. Um, I think a minus 12 would be quite extreme. I'm not likely to do that. But I guess the reason I bring that up is to emphasise how how serious I think you need to be around having Liverpool and City. They both double the two best teams in the league. And I think if I was to go into this game week with just double Liverpool and double City, I think I would be found short. So, yeah, that's why I'm looking at Laporte and and um, potentially Robertson, but I just don't have the funds to to bring in like a De Bruyne. Yeah, I, I mean, initially when you said minus 12, I was like, oh my God, that's that's terrifying. But at the same time, I'm thinking that this game is the biggest double game week of the season. It's, you know, it could be a 200 point game week. And we've seen those in previous seasons. So a minus 12, if that happens, and you know, the likes of Robertson get a 15-pointer or even higher than that. Um, it kind of does, because it's it's the potential, the ceiling is so high for this double game week, I think a minus 12 gets negated to a certain extent, making sure that you've got the right players. Otherwise, mm. if you kind of neglect it and make sure you just, you just go through this double game week with not the ideal structure, I think the variance between the two teams could be massive. And therefore, I think maybe hits could be a little bit more justified this week. Yeah, completely. And and it's it's for the players that you're bringing in. We we spoke last week about these explosive players. And Robertson recently, we've seen that he is quite explosive. Last double game week, he only registered two clean sheets and I think one assist, and he got 18 points. Yeah. So these attacking defenders like Trent and Robbo, Cancelo, James. They can score big in double game weeks just through clean sheets, a couple of bonus, and maybe just one assist. And when we look at their minutes per expected goal involvement, it's not unrealistic to expect an attacking return from these defenders across two full matches. So, yeah, minus 12 sounds huge. I reiterate it's not what I'm likely to do, but I say that to emphasise how serious I think we need to be about having triple Liverpool and triple City. And if it takes me a minus eight or a minus 12 to get Robbo, to get Foden, for example, then I would be okay with that. I'm just going to rub my hands in glee that I'm getting an immediate green arrow from... Uh, yeah. <laughs> from yeah. <laughs> no, um, in all seriousness, I think it's a really good point. Uh, well made, I think. Triple Liverpool, triple City in the biggest table, double game week of the season is kind of... I don't know why we use the word essential, but it's a really good start. And um, yeah, good luck to anyone that's making those moves. I, I think, you know, the fact that you can't get De Bruyne is not the end of the world. You've got Son. We've talked about his potential against difficult opposition. You know, you never know. He could get 20 points this week. And, you know, you're absolutely laughing because, you know, I think maybe move, people move out City asset, uh, Spurs assets this week. Um, I want to talk about the Arsenal guys because... I've got Ramsdale in goal as well. But recently, apparently the stats have been saying that he's been underperforming in terms of preventing XG and preventing goals. Like they should have kept, he could, should have kept more goals out. And I wonder whether he's just having a bit of a lack of form, lack of confidence. 
uh, and the realistic chances of Arsenal's clean sheets potential against Leeds and Spurs. Like, I think Leeds is probably the one that they could keep a clean sheet in, right? Mm. Yeah, I think that's the fixture. I don't see them keeping a clean sheet against Spurs. Potential save points in that game for Ramsdale. I just don't think... Is Ramsdale the best goalkeeper to have this game week? No. But is Ramsdale to another goalkeeper worth a minus four? I don't think so. Yeah. It's tr- it, like Ramsdale's so, still so cheap. Like when, when we've bought him much earlier in the season, I think his selling price for me is like 4.8, 4.9. Mm. So really, really mm. cheap compared to Edison or, or Mendy. You know, you know, I don't mind Edward Mendy from Chelsea, to be completely honest, because... Yeah. You know, oh, excluding the fact that Chelsea, you know, it might seem that they're on the beach at the moment, but <laughs> they've, they've been struggling for results and their clean sheet potential has sort of evaporated recently. They can't even keep a clean sheet against Everton. So, yeah. but I, I think the fact that we're expecting rotation from Chelsea, I think Mendy's probably one of the only players, maybe two or three more that actually play both games. Um, yeah, but if there's, if there's rotation, sorry to interject, I was just going to say, but if there is rotation, if Mendy's, keeping goal in front of Shalabar and Christensen as opposed to Rudiger and Reese James, does that make his clean sheet potential better or worse? Well, well, exactly. I mean, a team's confidence can, um, you know, be a really pivotal factor in in the game. And it seems like it's low at the moment. So maybe bringing in a Chelsea player, (laughs) regardless of who it is, might not be the best idea. As you said earlier, prioritising Liverpool and City players, probably Mm. the way to go. But mm. yes, I think we just got to roll with Ramsdale and see what happens. Maybe he can get some save points. Maybe he can actually keep some saves out, you know, and give us a clean sheet. That'll be lovely. <laughs> yeah. Note my uh, frustration with him in recent weeks. But yes, I arguably Saka is a captain option this week. He's been so consistent, and what a player! Like, you know. Yeah, yeah. Saka's been great. I mean, every single game week it passes, he gets a decent return and then there are question marks around his fitness. He gets a yellow flag and we have this discussion about is he injured? No, he's just fatigued. He's just managing him. You know, he's, the fatigue that he's built up across the season, no doubt it's a good fixture for Arsenal, Leeds and Tottenham away. But I just think that Saka and De Bruyne even Son, I'd be happy to captain Son over Saka this game week. I just think those guys are more reliable, more consistent, more explosive. Saka's great. I just don't think he's in that tier. I think the graph that we saw before, his returns have been okay, but I don't think that they've been as consistent in terms of returns versus starts as some of the other players like De Bruyne and Salah, for example. Yeah, I can't remember the figures. I think he was high up on the explosive, on the double-digit haul stuff. So I think he tends to get, you know, the 10-pointers here and there. But I think you're right. I think he was further left, which means he's less reliable, uh, not returning every single game. It seems like he has done recently, but maybe that's just Mm. my perception. Mm. Um, But yeah, we have gone back. I think it was 10 game weeks uh, a period. So... Yeah, but very happy to own him at the end of the day. Um, like I just want to ask you about the two more players. We've got Mount and Coutinho here. Yeah. Mount, I think, is probably more sure to start both games for Chelsea. One of those key players that probably can consistently play. Um, are you? You're not, not not in your wildest dreams going to transfer him out for someone else? Are you not considered that? Oh, I definitely considered going Mount to Foden. Um, I think Foden in isolation is a better asset than Mount this game week. 
but is it worth a minus four when Mount has Leicester and then Watford, I think, in game week 38? I mean, they're great fixtures for Chelsea. Mason Mount will likely play those fixtures. I just don't know if it's worth going Mount to Foden. I still think Mount's a great asset, even if he just plays the one game. Coutinho, interestingly enough, is I'm probably more likely to sell Coutinho than 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 Mason Mount. Oh, you I can't know Coutinho's. I know that's what I'm saying. I, I'm not I'm not keen on selling either of them. But if I was to pull the trigger on one, it would probably be Coutinho. The double's not great. He doubles next week, so that's the reason I'd like to hold Coutinho. Game of 38, they play City. That's a tough game. Yeah, I think they're not ideal, Coutinho and Mount. I would rather have, oh, we'll look at your team in a minute. I would rather have your midfield. I'd rather have Foden in there, for example, but I'm just not sure whether Coutinho or Mount to Foden is worth a minus four. Everyone says this about my team. You'd rather have my midfield, but I haven't owned Son for the last eight game weeks. So I'd, <laughs> I'd rather have Son's points, please. That would be nice. <laughs> But yeah, how are you going to shape up for game week 37? Because without a free hit, um, you're going to have limited potential to get double game week players in. Who are going to be the key guys that you go for? Yeah, I'm not too concerned actually about having single game week players in 37. I, I think looking at the the teams like City and, and Arsenal and Liverpool, Liverpool play Southampton away. That's a great fixture for Liverpool. Uh, having a look at City's fixture, they've got West Ham away. That might be a more difficult game. Tottenham play Burnley at home. I've already got Son. Uh, Chelsea play Leicester at home. I think that's a decent fixture. So I'm not too concerned about having single game week players in game week 37. Yeah, we're comparing them to the likes of Crystal Palace and Everton and Burnley and Aston Villa. I'm, I'm not that frightened of those teams. Yeah. I'm probably looking at a Zaha, but again, how do I fit Zaha into this team? That would mean removing a Mason Mount. And I'm just not sure I want to do that in game week 37. So yeah, at this stage, I'm I'm actually content with having only two or three double game week players in 37. I think that my single game week players, Liverpool against Southampton, City against West Ham, Chelsea against Leicester, I think they can match them. Spurs against Burnley as well. Neil was asking in the chat, um, what about Jesus? Can you fit him in? Could be a, a decent punt if he continues to play in the Premier League. Because I think Pep is like, mm. you know, he gives these chances to players. And once they continue to return, which is what Jesus is doing, I think he's like 8.5, isn't he? And how much is Vegas that you're selling? What, 6.5, something like that? Yeah, something like that, 6.4. Yeah, FPL Spartans in the chat, I'm saying that I'm hiding behind a sofa for game week 37. <laughs> I, I don't know about that. I mean, I'm not too scared, as I said, of Everton and um, and uh, Villa and, and Burnley and Palace. Jesus, definitely tempted by Jesus. It, it's um, one of those things I think I'll pay attention to what Luke says with City's predicted lineups. I'll see how Jesus plays in the Champions League. I mean, who's who's probably the greatest threat to Jesus? He can play on the right. He can play through the middle. At the moment, you'd say probably Sterling or Foden if he chooses to play Foden through the middle, but he's been playing Foden out left a little bit recently as well. Yeah, so I'm, I, I don't know if Jesus has too much competition right now for those spots when he's playing as well as he is. And I, I could afford to go Veghorst to Jesus. Uh, I just probably have to downgrade one of my defenders, like downgrade a Cody to someone like a Tavares 
from from Arsenal, um, or maybe someone a little bit cheaper from from Leicester. I haven't really looked at the the cheap defenders. All all focus has been on the big at the back. If you do like a minus twelve, there could be like a chance to downgrade like a mount maybe to someone mm. like find find another way to do it. But obviously Still don't Gordon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't tear your team apart. I mean, Gordon might be a good move because they've got the double-double, haven't they, Everton? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, have a tinker, see what you can find. I don't mind the Nketiah move, though. He's looked decent for Arsenal uh, and yeah. looks like he's, he'll keep his place. So, yeah, I think you're going to be deciding between like a minus four and a minus 12, and that's quite exciting. Basically. Yeah, <laughs> be, basically. Yeah. be interesting <laughs> to see what you um, what you come up with. But yeah, yeah. keep us updated with it on Twitter. Um, yeah, I'm going to move on to my team. And um, same formation as Ryan, uh, 4-5-1 for the benefit of the podcast listeners. Um, Ramsdale in goal, Alexander-Arnold, Robertson, Alonso, Laporte, no Cancelo. That's the guy I'm going to be worrying about this week. Salah, Havertz, Saka, Foden and transferring in De Bruyne. Haven't done that yet, but I'm looking to do it. Uh, The captain armband is on De Bruyne as well. Um, And in order to enable that move, Kane will be moving down to Richarlison. And I've got to say, I'm pretty happy with this team. Uh, It's... It, it looks good. It, it looks like a free hit team to a certain extent. Mm. Who are the biggest worries here? The Spurs guys probably and mm. maybe Cancelo. But I mean, I'm not too worried because the Spurs guys are obviously on paper. Their fixtures are difficult and Cancelo hasn't really proven recently that he can regularly outscore Laporte by scoring like loads and loads of attacking returns. I think Laporte gives me value. Um, but yeah. I, I'm not looking for compliments. I know it's a good, good-looking team. That that move is for a minus four. Um, you know, I've got to make the most of it while while I can. Mm. And a free hit at mm. 37 also sorts me out for that. Um, so fast forwarding to game week 38, I think the only player that really struggles, I think, is is Richarlison for a fixture because I think he plays Spurs. And I oh know is it Arsenal? I can't remember. Yeah, it's Arsenal. It's Arsenal. Yeah, Arsenal. Yeah. So. I don't know whether I mind holding on to Richarlison actually, because if Everton is still, you know, battling to stay in the Premier League, I, I think Richarlison is still still a great hold, and maybe mm. the top race for the top four is over by then. Who knows? Mm. Mm. Um, so maybe Arsenal aren't too worried about that game. But um, yeah, I, I wouldn't even be adverse to like moving De Bruyne back down to Son, for example, mm. uh, against Norwich, while City I think have Aston Villa at home on the final day of the season. It would be interesting to see what the state of play is uh, with the title race at that point. But I've got options to manoeuvre, free hit at 37. Hopefully, I'm able to capitalise on this double game week. I love your team, Ted. I think it's incredible. You've got the triple Liverpool and the triple City. I think that's the key, this double game week. The triple Liverpool, triple City. Havertz, a potential concern there. I mean, we've spoken a little bit about his minutes. Probably unlikely he starts both. Yeah, I really don't know. I I think he's been playing regularly, hasn't he? And and Gianni seems to be a major advocate for Havertz. He was right that he started this game week. I mean, Tuchel could have definitely changed the the, the team when he was very very critical that Havertz was was missing his chances. Um, he didn't. Havertz continued to miss his chances uh, and it might get to a point where Tuchel just has to make a point and says, you're not doing enough for me. Lukaku comes in. So, yeah, I'm worried about Havertz. I think he's the big hole in this team. Um, mm. But 
if he starts both, I think those are really good fixtures for Chelsea. I'd be very happy owning. Um, let's see what happens. Otherwise, um, if he gets dropped for both, I've got Connor Cody coming off the bench for <laughs> his minus four points. Mm. <laughs> Wolves double game week is so hard. I think it's one of it's the terrible. hardest I've seen. Yeah. Chelsea, Man City, nightmare. Yeah. And and this is the benefit of having the free hit in game week 37 is that you don't need to think about Villa or Crystal Palace, Burnley. You can just focus on Liverpool and City, Chelsea as well, Arsenal. You've got pretty much the representation from just the top four here, apart from Richarlison. So having that free hit in 37 allows you to just go all in on this double game week and Liverpool City, Chelsea, they've got good fixtures in 38 and they're good teams. So uh, I think you've maximised the benefit of the free hit. It's not just for 37, it's also for the weeks preceding. Yeah, I was patient keeping the free hit, but I've suffered. I, I didn't use it in 33, definitely could have. And um, I think that week I got a major, major red arrow. So mm. um, not good. It just shows that you could just do a completely chip strategy and have different fires to fight. But mm. I'm, I'm happy that I'm, I'm sort of sorted until the end of the season, really. Um, mm. But may, hopefully that ten top 10k finish can be realistic. Yeah. How far away are you? How many points outside? Good question. I think it's about 10 points, maybe even less than that. So wow. Um, I'm, I'm it's at congested up there. Yeah, <laughs> it is. 11,000 is what I'm on. I think I'm probably going to move down to 12,000 um at the end of this because i think mm. my my auto subs don't i've got um who is it uh i think it's cody coming in for a zero so that's not good i think other auto subs <laughs> are, are better than that so yeah. yeah um a question actually ryan if richarlison is ruled out because of any sort of misdemeanor with the flare mm. thing mm. i need to bring in uh, forward for 7.9 million or less who would be your major alternative to richarlison we're, we're looking at villa maybe we're looking at yeah pookie maybe I, I don't know it's difficult yeah well i think the fact that you're free hitting in 37 rules watkins out for me i, I wouldn't want an aston villa striker in this double game week they've got burnley which is okay, and then they've got Liverpool, you can free hit them in next game week. So I wouldn't be too concerned with that. 7.9, did you say? So you can't stretch. You've already got your three city. You couldn't stretch to Gabriel Jesus. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? I mean, I, I think it depends on what 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 can you do with the rest of the cash? Like if you went to an Enketia, for example, what can you do with the saving there? Because the rest of your team looks pretty good. Yeah, I'm not sure I'll go down to Nketiah. I wonder how much Danny Ings is. Is he like, oh, he's 7.7. I, I could have a little little punt on Danny Ings. Could be a major differential. It might be complete rubbish and, um, you know, full flat on its face because he hasn't proven that he can start game in, game out. Yeah. Um, but you never know. If, if there aren't yeah. too many options and I'm choosing between Ings and Watkins, might be quite tasty. Yeah, I'd go for Ings over Watkins. It's just, as we've said, like if, if you bring him into your team, he's going to be sitting there in game week 38 um, and you'll you'll have an issue to deal with there. Like they're playing City in 38. You can just get the Villa guys in, in a free hit in 37. So I, personally, if I had that money, I wouldn't want to go for a Watkins or, or a Danny Ings. How great is the double, Burnley and Liverpool? 
Burnley away in Liverpool. Yeah, not not too good. So I, I'm just going to hope that <laughs> Richarlison doesn't get a ban because I think he's the obvious transfer this week. Mm, and, he is, um, yeah. Yeah, what are your final thoughts about Salah captain versus De Bruyne captain? Because I, I think I'm going to like be swapping that armband once I make the transfer, like over and over again. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's interesting. Like this week, for example, all week I was set on Son captain. I just thought that that fixture was better for Son. I wasn't swayed by the zero shots on target versus Brentford and Brighton. Um, I didn't think Salah would be rested. I thought Salah would start the game against Newcastle. I just thought that he might come off a little bit earlier. I just thought Newcastle at home is a more difficult fixture and there's not much to separate Son and Salah right now. Of course, Liverpool are still a better attacking team, but I don't know. I was just always set on that. I wasn't scared of Salah. I wasn't scared of his effective ownership. Um, And so if I had De Bruyne and Salah in my team, I'd probably feel the same way about De Bruyne. Newcastle at home... And Wolves away are two excellent fixtures. Newcastle at St. James's Park are a different team to the one that they are away from home. Fabian Share might have picked up a knock as well. I don't know if that impacts things. Jamal Lascelles isn't exactly the same player for Newcastle. And then Wolves are atrocious right now. Like I was looking up their defensive data in the last six game weeks, Wolves' minutes per expected goal conceded is... Um, is 45, which is the third worst in the league. Norwich, just by way of contrast, Norwich is 44 minutes per expected goal conceded. So Norwich and Wolves right now statistically have almost the same minutes per goal conceded, which is the second and third worst in the league. So yeah, I I think I've done a poor job of explaining that. But what I'm trying to say is that Wolves suck. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I kind of like owning Havertz for that Wolves game. And the glimmer of hope is because he's like, for some reason he's playing like 70 minutes and he's regularly been taken off on the 70 minute mark. That kind of gives me a little bit of hope that he plays two 70 minute appearances this week. Mm, mm. Um, maybe someone who has the tendency to play 90 minutes like a, a Werner. No, a Werner doesn't. Really doesn't like a, like a Mount. Maybe he plays one. Maybe he doesn't. Obviously, I don't want to wish ill will onto you but yeah back off my players <laughs> <laughs> i mean who knows even if i just get wolves from havertz maybe i'm happy with that who knows mm. um oh there was a, in the chat someone was saying ian Acho as a forward option and i mm. i was like oh that's an interesting one but i was thinking actually vardy's back and i don't yeah, know whether they play like two up top but he got his goal at the weekend ian Acho, didn't he so mm. could be another left field choice um, it seems like everyone in the chat is going, just go and Ketia and go and Ketia. But yeah. I'm like, how on earth? I don't want like 3 million left in the bank or whatever it is. Like, it might be 2 million, but. <laughs> yeah, you, you you won't benefit from that, right? Because you've got the free hit next week. So yeah. it's not like having that money in the bank really allows you to do anything exciting. It's so depressing, the forward options right now. I mean, we're talking about Richarlison or Inketia for a double game week. <laughs> it's not not great, is it? I wonder whether I can. This this all depends if Richarlison's out because if, if he if he is definitely playing, then these are almost certainly the moves I'm going to be making. But yeah. if he's not, then I probably could try and do a little bit of wiggling and keep maybe Kulisevsky and move Havertz out for De Bruyne and maybe I've got enough cash to like even keep Kane for example. Um, yeah, okay. that, that probably isn't viable, but I'll I'll have a think. Mm. Um, but in any case. Happy with the team. 
fingers crossed for another decent game week. Uh, and more importantly, hopefully Man United players don't do that much damage tonight because that's yeah. the last game of the game week. Yeah, it's really Ronaldo, right? I mean, we, we kind of want to... Well, as a United fan, I'd love a two-one United win with Fred with Fred McDouble. That'd be nice. <laughs> oh dear, yeah. Um, Abdul in the chat saying Vardy party. Oh, I mean, mm. you know, that's that's an interesting one. Like, I know that Leicester are caught up in Europe, and Vardy hasn't exactly had that much minutes recently. I could go Vardy. That would be. I'm going to whisper it, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think he's a he's a potential free hit option in 37. Yeah, yeah, potentially. Mm. Vardy, yeah. oh, it's sad, isn't it? I mean, I think this is probably the last season we we have Vardy as an option in FPL, unless he's priced at like six point five or seven point five next season. He's just at the moment he's just too expensive, too injury prone, and he's getting on a bit. Poor old Vardy. Yeah, dreaded FPL in the chat saying Tony Brace tonight. I wouldn't be surprised. He's in good form. Tony, one of, mm. one of the single game week players that we have largely been ignoring and has been in mm. really good form. So maybe I wouldn't be adverse to going to a single game week striker. Like who knows? Um, FPL Spartan. Antonio so, plays Norwich. Oh, oh yeah, my goodness. Yeah. yeah, that's actually not a bad shout. Even though Antonio hasn't scored since like I don't even know. <laughs> like mm. it's been a long time. Let's just say that. Um, FPL Spartans in the chat saying it's price snobbery why people won't go for Enketia. And I, I kind of mm. agree with that, to be honest. Yeah, I'm, I'm a massive snob. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it's stupid, stupid logic that why would you leave money in the bank and that be an issue when you can get just the best player, regardless of whether he's 5 million or 10 million. If Enketia mm. is the best player, just get him and leave the money in the bank. I kind of get it. I need to get over that psychology thing, though. Mm. I think there's legitimate concern that he doesn't play both games in the double. I think right now that he does, but you can't say for sure that he plays both of those games in the double game week, Leeds and Tottenham. I mean, like Lacazette still could get some minutes in, in those games. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, Bowen going under the radar as well, especially against Norwich. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. We're just blindsided by the double game week. And I think... This game week of all double game weeks, you just have to go all in, I think. Um, don't compromise. Yeah. Minus 12, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> right, I think we will leave it there, chaps. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Uh, leave a like if you've enjoyed it. Lots of effort went into making this video. Appreciate it. Appreciate your support. Thanks to you, Ryan, for joining me once again. Best of luck for game week 30, 36, mate. Yeah, thanks, Ted. Appreciate it. Good to see everyone in the chat. Take care. Yeah. All the best, guys. See you later.